This is warm up for episode 5 of the Illegal Screen. A podcast. Everything we've been saying is nothing but truth. Jerry, I hate humanity. Seinfeld. It's a very <laughs> special holiday Jesus episode. Christ. The spookiest holiday of all, Halloween. I I can't believe I went on that fucking B movie tirade. And to celebrate, <laughs> we've created our own anthology of B horror terror, sort of, and fear, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> Mostly aligned to that. Mostly aligned to that. I feel like that tirade, it addressed a lot of concerns that everyone had it's but true. was afraid to say. It's true. About Jerry uh, Seinfeld, about yeah. bees, about Ray Liotta. About Ray about Liotta deciding to revive his career as the owner of a natural honey farm, I guess. I mean, I'm know. still at this point after reading multiple plot summaries because you better believe I have not watched b-movie oh yeah still unclear right. as to what b-movie is it's about a, it's a seductive movie these. you want to watch it but you you're not going to you know yeah the premise of saying you have is good it's, but the premise of reading <laughs> plot synopses are is way better it's it's one may wonder if renee zellweger in the film has or has not Mm. had sexual intercourse with a bee. <laughs> okay, I'm 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 pretty sure that that doesn't actually happen, but it's definitely alluded that there's attraction, there's, there's intraspecies attraction that is beyond spicy. Good That's luck searching for that. Is fuck. Yeah, I mean good luck searching for that <laughs> on the internet. You'll find it. It's yeah, still, you will. You You'll sh- find anything on the internet. You shouldn't. You As shouldn't Lance Stevenson to. told us. But this is our spookiest, most terrifying episode. It's truly dark. Our Halloween episode. In which we have decided to take the chaos and spirit of the holiday Mm -hmm. and go completely pretty much ad hoc. Pretty much just gonzo. There was very little planning for this episode, which is a start... This might be a surprise it to you. Might be a it surprise. Is a stark contrast yep. to all of our other episodes, which were generally pretty, at least in terms of the direction of each conversation, uh, scripted yes. by me. Yeah, we had plenty of scripting um, and collaboration on there's a, a lot document. of There's a lot of technical stuff that Brian does with the pod that I am like about <laughs> so i generally yes you do... will you will construct the outline and i will hit the button and the rss feed <laughs> i generally write the, like the beat sheet i guess for the episode like that's what they call it in writing uh in a, in a tv episode um so yeah 
So, yeah. so I generally write the beat sheet. Right. There is no beat sheet for this episode. There is none. There and, is and, a and, fragmentary theme, which we'll impart to you shortly. Yes. Splinters. Splinters of a theme. But it's there, and that's what's important, because we're not yeah. breaking trend with this episode. No. We're still and keeping also, it going. Yeah, we, we, we want it to be a bit... We didn't necessarily want to be a bit more loose with this episode, but we knew that we would have to because we had an opportunity to... Uh, Strike while the iron is hot. Exactly. Yeah. To just lay down... Cause you you know, we got to rent the equipment from from our captors. Yeah, they the don't let seat. us use it for they free. They would just give it. Yeah. yeah. It's we not gotta, just a, Yeah. And there are time windows for these yes. things. Yes. It, it so, comes out of the paycheck, so, fellas. Folks, so. friends family <laughs> it comes out of the paycheck let's so, just put it that way when we realized that we could do this at the time we could at the time we are recording it mm-hmm. in the black site it is uh late in the evening on it's, a saturday it's a spooky saturday a rather saturday. spooky saturday yeah incredibly spooky <laughs> there's a wind there's a chill in the air there is actually quite a wind yeah that's that's not a, that, it's, that's not even no. an exaggeration or anything it's very accurate yeah there's a wind there's some spooky chills it's everything you guys need yeah. for a perfect halloween episode indeed and i think we should just dive right in to our emo violence to our emo violence yes. and let's talk about creep show yeah so for for this installment of the illegal screen, we want to focus on, or rather, I thought it would be a good idea to focus on horror, of course, but specifically on horror in television medium, which mm-hmm. is not always it's a crapshoot. It's it has not know. always been conducive yeah. to success because yeah. on the one hand, you've got like The Walking Dead, which as a horror show is a success in terms of people watching it. Right. But it's more a success because of it's, the action elements yeah. than of its its horror bona fides. Well, don't you get it, man? There We vi- are the walking bread. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead, man. Um <laughs> apparently. I think. I don't yeah. even know. Let's say yes. I think that Rick Grimes is dead. Spoiler to Ricky, like the Ricky 60 G. million yeah. people uh, who watch the, the one. Uh, anyway, to the two million that don't. <laughs> Sorry. I I stopped watching it like three episodes into season six. Anyway. That's a lot. That's way further than I made. So I know. Impressive. I know that's way further than a lot. Very impressive. Like. Yeah. That's more an action show. That happens to involve a technically supernatural element. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of horror shows. Uh, there have there been, aren't. Yeah, surprisingly, there was Penny. There was Penny Dreadful. Yep. Uh, one of my a deep favorite for me, which we won't spend too much time on because if I get going on that show, I'll fucking go. I literally you have a symbol stop. from that show tattooed on my body. Um, but. Aside from that, what has it been? Uh, like the disastrous uh, Hemlock Grove on Netflix. About uh, werewolves with penises. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made that up. I, I don't know if that's Hon- true. Actually, or... <laughs> I don't know if that's far off. It could be accurate. To be honest, knows. I haven't seen Hemlock Grove. 
But I do think that there is definitely some sexual werewolf There's energy gotta be. in that There's shit. There's gotta be. No, I'm I'm almost like to a mortal certainty. When I saw the trailer, <laughs> when I saw the trailer, I said this has big sexual werewolf energy in it. I just know it. I just know it. <laughs> but <laughs> sexual werewolf energy. SWE baby. <laughs> but. <laughs> my god um before that um there was like the anthology stuff like showtime's masters of horror yeah which, which was, was hit or miss very really hit or miss. fucking hit or miss as someone who's seen most of the episodes of yeah. both seasons of that i mean on the one hand you've got uh uh john <coughs> excuse me john carpenter's cigarette burns which is really good I think that one's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's... Whatever. We don't have time to really talk about yeah, that. Yeah, there's anyway, a Takashi Miike joint, the, too. That's No, the Takashi Miike episode was never aired. It was only made, oh, that's it was right. only it's made only available on DVD. I've never yeah. seen it. Apparently, it was so fucking disturbing. Mm, not really. It's got Billy Drago in it. and, and it's, I don't know if it's actually that gross. Or it's, that, well, it's probably gross. I it's don't know gross. if it's scary. I, I would but every know fucking it's not th- scary. Every fucking thing that Takashi Miike does is gross, whether it's good or bad. He can make a family comedy, and he's going to find a way to make it gross. Well, isn't like, that the happiness of the Katakuris? No, not a family comedy. That's a family... <laughs> That's a family affair. Isn't that a it's, comedy? I, if that was a comedy, I missed... Uh, well, Happiness of the Katakuris. Um, are you, are you confusing that with Visitor, Visitor Q? Q? Yeah, because yeah, that's very different. I just man. matrixed the two over. Because <laughs> uh, Happiness of the Katakuris is at least something of a it's, comedy. It's, it's an actual legitimate like family comedy. There's nothing gross that I can remember. My brain is no. There's is definitely basically gross. a. Smooth... There's definitely fucked up shit in Happiness of the Katakuris, there, but it's, just, it's yeah. just not Visitor Q. Anyway, not. we're off the rails. Point is, there is not a ton of horror television. There's not. It's it's surprisingly so, untapped. When we found when, when we as horror aficionados find examples of it that are good we sort of seize on it like barnacles yeah and sometimes we praise it more than it should uh like i think that people liked masters of horror say more than it deserved just for the fact that the good parts were good enough and the bad parts people were like ah we can deal with it because you know we don't get this shit right or it's it's kind of like throwing a dog a bone i think in yeah. a lot of same with the nightmares and dreamscapes miniseries that yeah I don't know if fucking anyone saw other than me, but I did. Uh, based on a couple of Stephen King short stories, uh, some of those are really, 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 really good. Some of those are just whatever. None of them are bad. Right. Unlike, say, some of the Masters of Horror, which there are some, there's some real fucking groaners in that there's shit. There's some grim ones, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I think that I think that the reason Don Coscarelli, uh, the incident on a mountain road or whatever it's called, and Don usually turns into something good, pretty good, but it's, it's not a good one. There's, there's. I think the reason why horror, believe it or not, is not sustainable as a TV show too, as a TV series, is also because the concept of returning characters dealing with horrific elements over multiple seasons, right. 
is just not conducive. It has to yeah. be either anthology based or it has to be a limited release or it right. has to be something that kind of teeters in between. And that mm-hmm. that really I think is a is a good segue, a helpful segue. Yeah. Before we get just a oh, little yeah. there, there's a little bit else to address. We can't before, quite get it's just there. to say that the best serial horror show is probably Hannibal. Right, and and that's discarding and that's also any... a crime show. Right, and thriller so, crime. So it's not a pure horror show. No, and that's the reasons why it works sequentially are, frankly, the non-horror aspects of it. Yeah, although the horror aspects of it, when they show up, they're great. But like, great. that's not why. It managed to work over three seasons. Well, it was also free reign to allow Mads Mikkelsen to just chew up scenery oh. whenever he wants. So yeah. it, it's it's brilliant. And to if do you so with Hannibal, like, please yeah. see it. Oh my I mean, god! At Jesus. this time, it like it, it's been on Amazon Prime for free forever. Yeah, you have and no. Like, if you want free really. shipping for your fucking like microwave tacos, yeah, you might as well. You might be buying microwave tacos. You might be buying, uh, I mean, you fill in the blank. Tide. Tide. Tide pods to digest. <laughs> you could be buying. Um, there is a, there is a new series though. Relatively new. Relatively new. The point being, it's remarkable. We love it. And there's, let, let's just get right into it. Like, Channel Zero. Yeah. The Sci Fi Network's absolutely fantastic. Horror anthology show. Yep. Which we watched. Um, I watched a couple of years ago. I watched the first season of it and showed it to Brian. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up watching uh, the next two seasons and then watching the fourth season once it became available. Uh, once it came out, that was last year around Halloween uh, in twenty Halloween twenty eighteen, and unfortunately, it was canceled. Uh, Which we know we know now that yeah. was actually kind of we didn't new I didn't know that until today, but yeah. the first three seasons, however, you can all watch on Shutter. Yep. So please do so. Yeah. If you have, if you don't have Shutter, if you're looking to say how do I expose myself to more horror, uh, eccentric and familiar, yeah. oh, Shutter is a brilliant way to do it. Um, Shutter. So- Pay us. Pay us. Thank you. <laughs> pay me. Pay us our goddamn Give money. Give us ad revenue. Please. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh, my God. Um, let's talk about, I think, Channel Zero Season 1. Yeah, that's uh, the one that is, we have the most, that both of us have the most yeah. uh, exposure We've to. seen every episode. We've watched it A to Z. It's also a short series. Another good thing about Channel Zero, yeah. I think, for most people, is the the seasons are technically pretty short. Six episodes apiece. Which which is really, really, really nice for, I think, those who are a little bit more afraid of a commitment or, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to say around And I think they knew episodes. that when they started making them. Yeah. That, like, they didn't want to be, they didn't want to be worrying about, like, making a show that would have dead air basically they just wanted to tell somewhat long form stories so like each episode the the, these are six episode seasons each episode is about like 40 to 45 minutes so like at most you're dealing with like a three to four hour time commitment per season it's also i mean there's a real like commitment too to 
adhering to a sort of stylistic element that doesn't stop from each mm. season to season. Yeah. If you watch any of these seasons, you're going to see kind of like a, a title card in some capacity at each episode mm-hmm. with a, a symbol or an yeah, emblem. Yeah, each season has its own symbol. It has its true. own symbol. Like there's a very, there's a commitment to making sure that you understand this is a channel zero narrative, yeah. but not necessarily something that's like, it, it may be completely different from what you saw before, but right. it has its own lived in feel, but it, yeah. it doesn't ever disobey the sort of aesthetic that came before it. It's yeah. really, really commendable. And yeah. we're bearing, we're bearing the lead a bit here in that we haven't actually said what the fuck it's about. So what is Channel Zero about? <laughs> God damn it. You're thinking so as you're driving 45 each... <laughs> miles per hour and a, and a, and an Accord. In and a hot ba- car. And it's a hot car. There's no AC <laughs> and you're about to take a right turn. You're like thinking these motherfuckers, what is this shit about? Okay. So obviously each season is a different story. Each season is a different story based on a quote-unquote creepypasta yep. from Reddit. Brian, do you want to briefly yes. explain what a creepypasta is for yeah. those of us who don't know it? Because I didn't know it until I looked up what the show was. Right. So, like, a creepypasta, uh, to break it down, is basically, you know, your, your kids got your memes these days. <laughs> Think about a <laughs> word meme. Uh, it's a series of long-form <laughs> text posts that are basically uh, posted sequentially to kind of form exactly that, a creepy story that feels somehow relatable. It fills in the gaps of something you might have experienced or thought of when you were younger that doesn't quite feel real, but certainly is in some in some spaces. Indeed. And the first season of, of Channel Zero is based on a creepypasta about a obviously fictional, strange puppet show yep. about pirates and their spooky adv- and dark adventures called Candle Cove. There was no show called Candle Cove either here either in existence or in like anywhere in our exist. existence or even in the reality of the show it didn't right. actually exist. Yeah. The story of it is a child psychologist has is is made to come back to his hometown where some murders occurred when he was a kid and he believes that they are connected to these pirate broadcasts of a strange dark pirate and again like puppet show and it it sounds really silly yeah when i explain it that way and that i think is by design like when well, you, it was meant to disarm you with like if you read the premise you'd be like this is this, this is, is just ridiculous. some goofy shit this is stupid but uh, we're here to tell you, folks, that uh, Channel Zero is not uh, goofy or funny at all. At it is least a- not in there. There is some humor in the other seasons. There, there is. is zero humor in the Candle yeah. Cove season. It is fucking pretty much wall to wall terror. It's once gripping. You're pa- once you're past like the first twenty minutes of the first episode, it's mm. basically wall to wall nightmare. Yep. yep, yep. I am very, very rarely rarely affected by anything i read Mm -hmm. or see or hear yeah candle cove wrecked me it's true take of that what you will it is an utterly and completely 
pants-shittingly terrifying series. It is. That is worth sticking out. Yeah. And is worth engaging with and will actually unnerve you. Even if you're not truly scared by it, it will give you pause. Yeah. At least. At least. And to accomplish that, I feel, takes not only a modicum of effort, but it takes actually deliberate, intense yeah, it's it's incredibly well written. It yep. was the first season, the show creator credit goes to Nick Antosca, who was in fact a frequent writer on Hannibal. Nick Antosca wrote and spearheaded most of the Candle Cove season and is was at least tangentially involved in the other seasons. It is truly horrific where it when it starts going in the direction it's headed. Like, there's just no, there's just no real accounting. There's just no real accounting for the effect it has on you. I want to talk about, I want to talk about teeth. Well, we have to, because there is a monster of sorts in the first season of, of Channel Zero, Candle, uh, the Candle Cove season. There is a monster that is depicted as being made of teeth. Mm. That may sound... Silly. ...to you at first, yes. It is not. No. Because imagine a, like, five-foot-tall being whose body, bones, whatever, are entirely made of teeth. Literally teeth. Listeners. Children's teeth. Go in the mirror. You can imagine how those teeth are coming out of those children. Just go in the mirror. A smile. Examine your two front teeth. Please imagine plucking them forcefully from your body and then applying them towards the entire circumference of a five-foot-tall human being mm-hmm. and how many teeth they would account for. And then I want you to imagine the texture. It's a lot of teeth. It's a lot of teeth. Now, you know those pillows? You rub those the, the sequins and you rub them and they, they change color or shape? Imagine that, but with teeth. Imagine yep. that. Yep. Imagine it being near your mouth. This is mm-hmm. uncom. This is a show, a series, and let, I'm letting you guys know has an un- an uncomfortable prowess in terms of making you feel things. Yeah, it's influence like you. The tactileness of it is astounding. Ugh. It's next level, and there's very few works that capture it. And in the later seasons, it does this in just in different ways, like. The second season is essentially a story about a a very, 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 very multi-layered haunted house. Like, it takes the foundation of a haunted house and turns it into some very intense psychological examination while also having plenty of room for just straight-up fucking scares. Right. The second... Uh, excuse me, the third season uh, is about a sort of a, a rundown neighborhood of a Midwestern American city that is appears to just be like a truly crime-ridden, like capitalism-forgotten type yeah, city. And then it turns out that there's a lot more to why it is decaying, and it has to do with this strange family that disappeared... A half a century ago and what they are doing and the fourth season uh, uh, the fourth season called The Dream Door is 
truly simplistic in terms of its setup. It's basically, uh, we moved into an, we moved into slash built a new house and we found this door that was never there. And what does it go to? Where, what, what is it? What do we do? And takes you to some really, really fucked up psychological places. Yeah. And th- that's kind of the premise of almost all the premise, if you guys notice, is pretty much any of these seasons is a very generic, almost generic premise. And that's what mm-hmm. effectively makes a creepy pasta or anything that's derivative or close to it work is it's deceptively simple. And all of these, all of these seasons are built off of a deceptively simple premise and evolve over the course of six episodes into something that is really groundbreaking or really gripping. Um, and also to to double back kind of and 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 uh, allow more praise for season one. Mm-hmm. There's a, a a concept in terms of design, physical design of the and uh, the tooth child, the, the tooth child, the flame demon, which oh, you will yeah. see in the first. <laughs> Oh three or five minutes of the first episode so it is by no means a spoiler no it really that is uh for those of you who have played the legendary video game dark souls what, uh is what the fuck is dark okay we're not gonna go down the video game rabbit hole because let's just say i don't know shit about video games brian knows a fair amount uh I assume it's something scary. It's a y'all know that Capra demon that that first moment where you're like, "Ooh, my poo poo got pushed in." This is what the fuck. This is that, but on fire. It's just the same thing, but on oh, fire. Oh god! And uh, it's it's really legitimately incredible set design, costume design. Uh, and, and everything feels like it has a presence, mm-hmm. uh, and it never feels. Even if they're using CG to add some sort of a composite layer, it always feels real. Yeah, and like the characters I are think in the presence. There's the very, there's very little CGI, at least visible CGI, in the first season, and there's not much in the later seasons. There's a bit, but it's mostly accomplished through makeup. Right. And practical effects and like creature design type stuff. Like like Stan Winston uh what what's the motherfucker who did the thing effects? Rob Bottine. Oh yeah. That Bottine. that yeah. type stuff. It's very much based in those types of really tactile, grotesque textures, effects. Slimy sounds, icky sounds. Oh god, squelching. 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 Intensifies. Squelching. Jesus fuck. Lots of squelching. <laughs> don't do not don't. We're not talking about a radio signal when you're uh facing down the Viet Cong, nope. folks. Nope, it is a <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the last half of that, <laughs> yeah. but it's 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 something. A lot of tearing and uh, snarking. Speaking of which, uh, if anyone is yeah. listening who is going to say, <laughs> you know what, this is what inspires us to cast season five. It's time to do season five. Please. Oh my god. For the love of all that is holy on the yeah. earth. Mother you horse take size. Us home here. Yeah, mother horse really size. All right, well, I'll save you guys the treat. Uh, please, in your spare time, look up Mother Horse Eyes. Yes. Uh, 
author slash narrative slash interactive fiction slash slash perhaps potential demon potential demon depending on how you read it and or interpret it uh there's many 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 youtube videos about it but it's best to just read it as a compiled form of text uh this would make probably the most groundbreaking television i could i could possibly imagine as it combines so many concepts into one and makes it work Mm-hmm. So, Mother Which Horse Which is precisely why five. it might not work. Right. Yeah. Even for the ambition of it alone, it's worth reading outside of the context of this episode and just diving into it because it's it's so incredibly compelling. Yeah. And so, contrasted with that, we want to talk about an, another another newer entrant into the... Uh, the horror anthology series game, and that is Creep Show. Creep Show. Creep Show. Based on, obviously, the iconic uh, film from the 1980s, written by Stephen King, directed yep. by George Romero. The God. The God. The God. You know him, you love him. Yes. The father of what we do in so many ways. Yeah. Patron um, Saint. The Creep Show series appears to be, and we want to. I say appears to be because we, we have experience with one episode. So. Exactly. Yeah, we haven't been able to. Like, we weren't at any of the film festivals where multiple episodes were premiered. Weirdly, they told us we were banned. Yeah, know. yeah. We tried to get uh to get into some of the other some of those. It didn't go well. Is it a systemic issue? Yeah. Who knows? Is we, it a- we may have been beaten it, it, with sticks. Yeah. It, it could have been... I've got a bruise on, on my forearm. It could have been that they threatened it's us a really with the Pope's It's a really bad blood bruise. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Anyway. So we've only seen the episode that has been made uh, public to everyone, every Shudder user. Um... <laughs> episode one yeah so it was released a couple of nights ago on shutter and it apparently each of the episodes to come are going to be like two vignettes per episode amounting to about 45 50 uh minutes total Which per is episode. Nice. so it, like 20 good. 25 minutes per yep. story the first one uh it began with a really interesting take on Stephen King's, a very early story of his, uh, Gray Matter, one of the stories he undoubtedly published while he was trying to make ends meet, uh, publishing a lot of stories in the quote-unquote titty books. Uh, (laughs) Not kidding. A lot of his early stories are books. (laughs) A lot of his early stories, as he's said many times, or in like penthouse, dude, swank, etc. Um, right, and um, the classic publishing. You can find it most easily. You can find Gray Matter in the Stephen King collection, Night Shift. Mm-hmm. That is most of his early stories. In any event, it is about a. It's short. It's like an actual like super short. Yeah, story. no, the story it's itself is very long. short. It's about a young man who becomes increasingly concerned about uh, his father's drinking problems. Specifically, he's addicted to one brand of beer, um, and what it is doing to him. 
So in the short story, it's basically uh, the kid or the son or the relative like comes to like friends in town to be like, this beer is doing this shit to my dad friend. I'm not even sure if it's his dad in the original story, because to be honest, it's been like I read Night Shift when I was like 14. And then probably. And let me just say, while I'm not that old. It's still been some fucking time since yeah. I was 14. Neither one of us have reread <laughs> Night Shift at any point, uh, nor any of the stories contain such a great matter. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been time. a fucking while. So, either way, they go there and they find something very disturbing when they find the father who's been drinking all this beer to such a degree. The story, as it's presented in Creepshow, is basically that. But with a lot more layers added yeah. about um, the father was so struck with grief that right. he began, uh, that he just developed a drinking problem. Far from uncommon. And I mean, for Christ's sake, this is like one of Stephen King's many early cries for help to himself. Right. As anyone who knows like the history or anything about Stephen King knows he wrote a lot of stuff to try and tell himself that he was an alcoholic, which obviously he didn't learn himself until the late 80s when he got clean. After um, he had made... After he'd done a lot of The things. most incredible yeah, film and made Maximum time. Overdrive. Maximum fucking <laughs> Overdrive. Which, God. it doesn't just slap folks, it fucks. <laughs> maximum Overdrive <laughs> is next level brain-bursting action. Yeah. And uh, it's terrible. It's one of the worst films ever made by anyone. Some by anyone. Some cry out and say, I just want to watch a Green Goblin truck to an ACDC soundtrack run down Emilio Estevez with explosions in the background. See, now that doesn't sound that bad. It doesn't sound that bad. But then when you get a soda machine, a sentient soda machine (laughs) killing people with cans, that's a bit of a bridge too far. Magnifique, the baseball team. Picture this. Let's picture the scene. Let's envision it. A baseball team. Ooh, I'm a little kid. I love playing baseball, as all little kids do. Oh, uh uh-oh. What's that? Chaos on the field. Soda cans. Flying left. Flying right. Flying above your head. Oh, no. Little Jimmy. Little Billy. They've been hit by soda cans. Errant... Errant death machines yeah, of, of a one soda cans. Where are they fucking coming from? Where are they from? coming My from? My God. Oh, and over the hill, like a fucking German World War II <laughs> tank, is a sentient soda machine and its stupid concrete alcove. And the so- coach is like, what's going on here, guys? As he saunters on Probably over. the main gets, what's going on here, fellas? Sometimes dead is better. And then he gets drilled right in the fucking forehead with a soda can, which pushes his shit in so far that he pretty much becomes like a tube of pink and brown meat. It's incredible. It's there are there are oh machines that should not be Fuck. sentient killing. Oh, we're on a we're on a tangent. Yeah. Anyways, we really are. Stephen King, thank you. That's what we're trying to say. Thank you for all you do. I mean that very sincerely. Like no, that movie bought me has brought me <laughs> immense joy over yeah. the years. Immense yeah. joy. And it's okay. We we 
we've forgiven you for maximum overdrive a long time ago. Yeah, and everything else you've done, or almost everything else you've done, pretty fucking lit. Anyway, so Creep Show, new Creep Show, takes Grey Matter yep. as the first half of its first episode, and it portrays it pretty well. A lot of great casting with, um, first of all, with a real, real horror icon, Adrian Barbeau, yep. starring as the owner of the uh, restaurant slash general store, uh, upon which uh, the son of this uh, alcohol besotted man runs to. Yep. And she does a great job. Like, yeah. absolutely. Everybody in we this. We loved you in the fog, Adrian. Yep. Hell yeah. Everybody in this skit. Does an amazing job. You got uh, uh, Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell, uh, who the dummies among you know from yeah, smooth, the fucking, smooth, the smooth brain dullards will know recognize you from you. the fucking Saw franchise because he's fucking Jigsaw. I want to play a game. play game. That guy, but not the also puppet, in 24. The guy. And fucking, what else was he in? He was in one episode of The Sopranos. Nah. Um, Classic. <laughs> Character actor who always plays himself. Yeah, no, Tobin Bell's good. No, Tobin's good. Even if he's been in bad movies, he's good. And as our third uh, main star, we've got the god, Giancarlo Esposito. Yep. Gus Fring himself. Yep. Legend. In a pretty excellent performance. Yeah. For a... In for a like, very compressed time frame. So, yeah. yeah, in such a compressed time frame and has like zero room to grow. Like, like, oh, this is a real person. There's a re- I, I said this earlier tonight when we were watching stuff, getting ready for the pod. Like, there's a reason why they are using that still of Esposito's face from this half of the yeah. first episode as a publicity image. Because it's fucking iconic. It's just... It's brilliant. The, yeah. And he obviously... There's no way he knew that that was going to be a publicity still. No, that's no just way. how he acted in the scene. Yeah, and it's just a look of pure, like animalistic. Terror. Oh my god! Right. Everything is bad. Everything I've ever known is wrong. The world's crumbling. Fuck! 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 Yeah. Pure terror. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's a true yeah. like. We don't really talk much about, I think, like, publicity stills because this isn't the 40s or the right. 30s yeah. when those were such an important part of movie making. But No, it kind just, of has become one again as, as time has gone on. Yeah. And you're I, just, first, I couldn't not talk about yeah. it. It's worth talking about, but especially in horror because it's, it's such a mm. at times isolated community and insular community that the more you know about the way they're presenting it, Mm-hmm. Is is pretty much a guarantee of how they want you to understand it and first interact with it, and that that captures a great deal. But Mister Nicotero uh, drops some serious dollar on physical, practical effects that mm-hmm. are certainly inspiring. Oh yeah, at times yeah. Again, uh, we didn't know before. Uh, Greg Nicotero, who's well known as uh, a a third of the Canby EFX group yep. who's done the horror, the gore effects for any number of horror films, action films that you've seen. Uh, like he does all of Tarantino's stuff. Not that Tarantino has a lot of pure gore effects anymore, but, but he, he makes them. it count when he has Oh, it. Yeah. you better believe it. 
and like and he does all the Walking Dead stuff, like yeah. all of that, like for what are, all the shit we said about the Walking Dead earlier, like there's no like you you really can't yeah. shit on the intensity of their effects, no. and that's all no, no, Nicotero no. Burger, like all that shit. Like, so, credit where credit's due. And he fucking puts his money where his goddamn mouth is yeah. for this first half of the first creep show episode with that fucking, like, goo monster. <laughs> that beer created goo monster. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, beer goo monster, <laughs> next level. And then it's final form, which is something like. If the predator took too much Ambien and then <laughs> ended up just melting through existence, that's pretty much what it would look yeah. like. No, that's pretty uh, true. And then you you have, of course, the Crypt Keeper, not Crypt Keeper, but you have the, the basically like the, the main Crypt, not Crypt Keeper, God, fuck. <laughs> the Creep Show host. Yes, the Creep. The, the creep. creep. Cracking open a uh, cold one with the Void. Yeah, at the end, which you is believe it, which is baby. iconic. I think the only thing that we kind of took some umbrage with was that it it starts, but it also ends with a weird, panicked fever of this is a not an isolated incident; it's multiplying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, and it has to like do with a bunch of other shit from around the world. Yeah, it just it, at least I that's don't what think it to imply. Yeah. I don't think that mattered or worked or whatever. And yes, I know it stretches the alcoholism metaphor like that much more broadly. I get that's why you do that. But like the metaphor was already there. You didn't need, you didn't need yeah, it, it it just it didn't work and there was kind of a cool the thing homage with the yeah. she's calculating with the calculator, like, yeah. The amount of time like pure the per the infection like reaches with the Adrian Bobobot. Yeah. It just doesn't it just Shout out C Lab. Shout out <laughs> But it just it just doesn't work. I, I remember think, you remember that bit in C Lab? I do. <laughs> okay, I do. just checking. Because I've been saying Adrian Barbobot all night. C Lab knowing what the fuck C Lab is a masterpiece. React to or not. If you haven't seen C Lab, <laughs> do yourself a favor. Do a solid oh, right God. there. God. I've got PhDs in five scientific disciplines. <laughs> um, why do you think they call me Dr. Quinn? Anyway, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we move on from that pretty solid segment. Regardless of its flaws, it works really well it does. for the first segment of an anthology, like somewhat light, more lighthearted horror anthology yeah perfectly yeah perfectly capturing the atmosphere of this is not left like the original creep show is as much a black comedy yeah as it is for sure and at some points a just plain old comedy yep as much as a horror show so it makes sense that the the creep show series holds this vibe like channel zero is obviously not that no. It's not comedy. Nope. It's entirely different. So, like, Creepshow, the makers of the new Creepshow know exactly what they're going for. The second half of the episode, not so good. Dude, my boy. It was not great, folks. It's, it's not very good. It, it is really disappointing. Yeah. It, it has it's the called concept. the The House of the Head. Yeah. Written by Josh Mallerman, who wrote the novel of 
Bird Box, which was turned into a much maligned Netflix film not too long ago. And I will say, I've read the novel Bird Box. It's, it's, it's pretty solid. Like, if you hated the movie, it, it's, it's still, it may still be worth your time to read the book. Yeah. Anyway, like, Josh Mallerman's not a bad writer by any means. He knows what he's doing. He generally has good ideas. However, this, this house of the head shit not really happening. No, it it really has. It's really an, an arc that has no payoff. It no, has actually no finale or conclusion of any kind. It it's meant to linger, but it doesn't work. No, it, it's got not this. At all. It has a little uh, as a child actor who does a really phenomenal yeah, job I, with I, the I, material. I I didn't. Unfortunately, I did not look up her fucking kids they are the same they're from but, a they're from a clan but no just a for clan, real for real the 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 young woman who played the this daughter uh who's owns this dollhouse she was she does good she's rather good she does good so we'll probably shout out her name in an apologies early <laughs> early on in an episode to come Un- in the future. yeah un- undoubtedly i mean it, it has some moments like the core concept is good you have yeah, a dollhouse. It's a strange, something shrunken head. Right, a shrunken head is going around. And it's decapitating the residents of the dollhouse. Yep, one by one, systematically, and everything she does to stop it, like by adding the doll cop, John Cop, from the family. <laughs> no, of cops. I swear to God, she adds a cop doll to the dollhouse. Yeah, it happens. This is a real thing. And then, fucking, and then we up the ante with. A Native American cop. Ooh, or no, not a... Jesus. Not a Native... <laughs> <laughs> that might actually have worked. Uh, not a Native American cop, just a plain old, like, stereotypical, yep. like, 1800s depiction of, like, a Comanche brave. Yep. Exactly. Uh, what, like, tomahawk it, in hand. Oh, yeah. All, um, all the stereotypes yep. in full effect. It's... Not that cool not a good look no not a good look at all weirdly discordant and yeah. takes you out of it mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with this piece it just it doesn't work it, no it was a bad bad move and uh like i said it's whatever that's yeah the one thing about an anthology season like this it can't all be good no you know for one no definitely that what I was going to say is, like, specifically, it's just going to fucking... It doesn't matter if, if one episode is not great, as long as the whole episode... Or rather, if one vignette is not great, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like... You can get away with it. As long as all of the vignettes aren't bad, like, we're going to get six episodes, right. 12 vignettes. Right. That's what's been uh, announced thus far. Even if you're one for one, you know, with six good and six bad, that's pretty mm-hmm. much equaling out. Yeah, that's fair. Like, so if I'll like, watch that. If they're leading each episode with a a strong uh, vignette and, and each subsequent half of the episode is mediocre or average or meh, then I feel like that's a pretty damn good deal. Uh, especially for a horror anthology, as we had discussed, is not super common. And no. when you get one, you kind of got to be glad that you have one to start at all. So I, I say as, as troubled as the second half was, it's still encouraging. And by all means, 
creep show should be definitely something if you're like i'm into horror i want to see an anthology series i want to see a horror tv series it, it should be something you should be checking out and also flew completely under my radar and i'm somebody who's i like to think is fairly tapped into the world of horror and i this flew completely under my radar so it might be it might even come as a surprise to a lot of you uh who yeah. who didn't know what the status was of any creep show tv show or anything like that or what was the status of the the brand after really not that much of a successful film outing with this the sequel so it, it's good to see it kind of being carried on in a way that i think does justice to the original it just uh it, it needs a little bit more focus overall but even still one for one i'll take it indeed so like um we were thinking about uh maybe doing a halftime but you know what it's gonzo yeah halftime. we're we're taking a little it's uh, out the window yeah it's we're, out the we're window. being a little looser with this one maybe because it's uh such a uh, uh, a spooky it's the season <laughs> of scourge must be the season of the weird yeah and all that but we're under the influence of the witch and yeah, so, um we're, so we're just going to go straight into the crossover. Yes. And so we were talking in the first half of the episode about, like, horror anthologies, television. And at least in one of these series, specifically in the first series of Channel Zero, the very idea of television broadcast is yep. a theme. Yep. Which got me thinking, obviously, about uh, how, like, sport... How, how the NBA communicates... And spreads its messages. Yeah, you know. I think basically we were we were thinking about talking about the media days because yeah, man oh man, because like how how the NBA presents itself. Part of it is when the teams have their individual media days. Basically, uh, players show up in sometimes in their very new jerseys, like people who've switched teams, as we saw so much of this past free agency period. And talk about their expectations for the coming season. You get a lot of canned quotes, or, yeah. or seemingly canned quotes, and I mean that's fine. It's 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 sports. It's gonna happen. Like I don't I don't need people to say people in sports to say like massive profundities every time they open their mouths. In fact, it those who seek to do so are often taxing, and we'll talk about some of that a bit in a minute. Yeah. But because we were thinking about, like, the way information disseminates. Yeah. Uh, both in, in, in horror media and in sports. So, one of the, perhaps one of the strangest media day scenes, <laughs> for me at least, was seeing, uh, was seeing Russell Westbrook at the Houston Rockets media day. Uh, those, those babies are getting closer and closer. Yeah, and where the walls are closing. They're in on sharpening. Us, but... They're sharpening their Gillette bayonets, and uh, it's bad. It's looking grim, but we the show must go on. Yeah, um, Russell. Yeah, Russell. Westbrook. It was really, really weird to see him. It almost in looks... a jersey that was not an Oklahoma yeah, City Thunder. It jersey. almost looks photoshopped. Yeah, but it, it's but very it's not, real. It's very real. I have. The actual, like, because of working with uh, uh, Red's Army, the Celtics blog that I write for, um, obviously I've got the Getty images and they are very real. And, (laughs) 
And they're doing, you know, they're doing the the media day jam. There, yeah. uh, there's James Harden. The strange, very strange poses, making like you've got very weird faces. Yeah, you've got Harden doing the the growl face. And yeah, like, everyone's like carrying the basketballs and spinning them around and doing yeah. all that stuff, and that's fine. Um, it's not even. It's not that weird seeing. Uh, Harden and Westbrook together, obviously, because they were, of course, teammates on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, uh, so they have many a history. To, they have a history together, which is yeah, which is fine. They and, played in an NBA Finals together. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. It, it makes sense. I think the one that stood out though is <laughs> is coming ac- and it comes across as, oh my god, bro, you posted cringe. You're gonna lose followers. Oh yeah, it's, this is <laughs> it's moving on from the from the Rockets. Yeah, um, it's. Ooh, the Nets. One of Kyrie and... Irving's Nets Media Day photos was quite something. He was basically he's basically sitting on top of a basketball and uh, looking very pensive and philosophical. He's, and he's, it's he's so con- contemplative. It is you could so <laughs> fucking irritating. Yeah, it's really bad. It's like a philosopher pose mm. of sorts slash deep in thought. It's vague, deep, fake, deep. It's, it's vague, yeah, deep. exactly, and like, it, exactly. And it's a bit hypocritical for me to say that as a Celtics fan because I defended at least some no, of his fake yeah. deepness while I was a Celtics yeah. fan. Well, I think also and because too, I don't like, mind the fake deepness itself necessarily. Yeah. It's whatever, it, right? It's but it's, he's just taken to a new level here. Is what it feels yeah. like to me. It just because I looked through a lot of media day galleries. Like, and there were not, I don't think I saw anyone else sitting on a basketball and looking pensive. I'm no. fairly certain of this. It's pretty, fact. it's pretty like the stuff that you would imagine you would want to promote. The actionable action Yeah, mostly people like looking fun. Like, right. like either tough, like Harden doing the grr face or like goofy or having a good time. Yeah. Looking forward to what's coming next. Exactly. Like doing dribble poses. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Like that like in Kyrie's last year as a Celtics, he as a Celtics, Jesus. Um, <laughs> as a Celtic, he did like a whole bunch of poses doing his dribble theatrics, you know, because I mean, he's going to do that everywhere he goes. It's a, a huge part of his game. It was I don't know. It was it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot, but it also gave birth to a lot of memes, as all good things do. Yeah, we we got some good memory out of Media Day. Um, some funny poses uh, that I feel like that Harden one alone, and him looking like he is not an aggressive. What I would define no. as an aggressive player or no. person. No. So him looking like. It was very, it's it was very weird. Just bizarre. Just utterly and completely bizarre. But also, <laughs> also, we did get some special stuff. Though. We did. Kemba. Kemba yeah, so, Green meme. So during... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on Media Day, they were filming... Something that's obviously going to play as a hype video. Yes. On opening night. And so what it is, is Kemba Walker 
is sitting back in like a clockwork orange-esque it's so good chaise lounge it's so good and um he's got these strange goggles over his eyes (laughs) and they're delivering what appears to be some sort of green liquid uh they're sending it into him then uh he wakes up and he and he screams he screams he screams a guttural Roar. Yeah. It's loud. I would do, I would do for the benefit of y'all at home, except I feel as if the baby gangs may start throwing uh, knives at us. Yes. And And I can't have that. We're already pushed out of luck. And the thing, (laughs) the thing is, is this, it's been, it's basically, I think maybe, what is it, like five, six seconds long? Yeah. It's artisanal. And especially once it's so rarely do we get such an exploitable meme that, that I just, early on, yeah, that early on that I'm just mm, I'm overcome with joy. It's wonderful. It's truly wonderful. And the thing that's great about it is he's when he does this huge scream, like he's clearly putting a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. It's not like a half-hearted. Argh. It's a deep roar. Like he's clearly <laughs> committed to that. It's just. It's gorgeous. It, it's one of the best things ever. I can't wait to see what... And there already some amazing things have been done uh, on Weird Celtics Twitter. Oh, yeah. But it's as beautiful. the season progresses... We're getting so many, so many pictures of uh, Grant, Grant Williams carrying his Catan board. <laughs> There's a real picture of him while he was at, at, at the University of Tennessee. Or is it Tennessee State? I don't know. Wherever the Vols are... I don't know what the name is, but go Vols. Anyway, <laughs> he's in his Vols gear and he's like walking to a car and he's got the the, the settlers of Catan board under his arm. As any true brain genius has. And I'll be honest, okay, this may not be a real picture, but it briefly looked like one to me. It's, and I'm going to act as if it sometimes is. Sometimes you have to let things be real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of people struggle with that. They struggle with, oh, well, I don't know if it's real or not. Let it be real. <laughs> this is a time. This is a time of deep fakes, fake news, and, and utter weirdness. Horrible let it, shit. Let it be what it is. You know. <coughs> it, oh. The babies are trying to infect everyone. Ah, there's a. Uh, there's why? A, yeah, babies. We've, we gave you so many cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> we can't give you anymore. Yeah, I I need. Like they banned, they banned jewel pods in yeah. this state. Yeah, we, I need we, cigarettes. You can't even get jewel pods anymore. Yeah, it's just what's what are we gonna do? I've been smoking cigarettes again for two weeks, and I can't give them up just to keep up with baby compliances. No, no. It's, just, it's too much. No, so wash. Media Moving day was on. a blast. It was a blast. Yeah, it was good. I always enjoyed fun. it. That media day is always a lot of fun, and and for those of you who, you know, might be uh, new to the you know deeper NBA experience, yeah, absolutely check out the pictures because they're <laughs> they're worth your time. If nothing else, if yeah. nothing else, it, some of them may not like. They take, let me tell you, like, they take a lot of these frigging photos, and many of them lot. don't get like put out. Yeah. Like on the Getty Images database, it's like. A hundred or so photos per team. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So you're looking at like so five thousand photos. So like anyone through. who's like even a very low hanging fruit part of the NBA media, as I am, 
has seen these, but like plenty of like plain old folks may not. Yep. So moving on, it's preseason. It's preseason. We've, we've seen people play some actual NBA basketball yep. games, real basketball at played least, by real well, humans, at least on on NBA courts according to NBA rules. Unless they're deep fakes, which could <laughs> be possible. <laughs> I haven't ruled that out yet. No, but. you're right. It, it's 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 possible, and. Um, <laughs> One of the the biggest takeaway, obviously, for us as Celtics fans, is how absurdly dominant Jason Tatum looks. Yes. He looks to be every bit, at least on the path toward being every bit the superstar we all have hoped. Um, he scored 20 points in the first preseason game yeah. against the Charlotte Hornets. And some really gorgeous plays, too, that um, he, he absolutely executed. And then last night in the game against the uh, the Orlando Magic, he scored 15, but he did it in even less time. Yeah. It was just really... He's he's looked absolutely... He's back to form. Incredible. He's back to form. There was this, there was this time in the... And the uh, you know. last season, he was because because of how chaotic things were. Yeah, he was he was, he was falling back too. into taking a lot of inefficient shots, a lot of his like Kobe Bryant esque long twos. What was the curse of Kobe? Yeah, it was a lot of it. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. But yeah. 17-18 Tatum is much closer to what we're seeing now. Yeah, much more and confident. Much more. Yeah, you know, and while the thing is, uh, rookie year Tatum was picking his uh, his spots shooting wise. He wasn't taking as many of them, which is why he was making so many of them. Like he was so precise yeah. with when he took a three. That's why his three point percentage was so high that year. He was like, I think it was above forty. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a high. It was really, really and last high. year it was obviously a bit less, but it was still like 37, 38, which is definitely above average. Like average NBA three-point percentage is anywhere. It varies every year. It's generally anywhere from like 35.5 to 37. Yeah. So he was still like slightly above average. It was really good. But it was not. He was was really good. Yeah. And he's going, obviously he's going to need to be like what we've seen in preseason is going to need to be the norm for him, at least on yeah. most nights, for the Celtics to go where they want to go this season, given that they have a very different structured team and it's just not it's just not the same deal. Like you're missing the stout defense of Al Horford and also the playmaking of Al Horford. Yeah. Um and Uncle the Al's- defense of Aaron Baines, even yeah, their absence is going to be felt, and as as and we've seen that as well. Even the Celtics won both their preseason games, but during those, we had fairly meh showings from most of the big men. Yeah, uh, Robert Williams, the Time Lord, Time started. Lord. He started the first game, and it did not go very well he played about 10 minutes and his i think he scored yeah two points two rebounds an assist two blocks somehow only a minus three but that's probably just the minutes he played um he's definitely not ready to be the starting center at the same time he doesn't need to be yet i think if he's going to be that ever 
I don't think he it's, needs to be until I, next year. I was going to say, it's not the now. The 2021 season? It's not now. Because part of the thing that is the strength, part of the strength of, of the current Celtics that we have is balance. Yeah. Like, really smart balance. And also, probably for the first time in two years, they can actually get to the hoop and get to the line quickly. Yeah, you'll have more people Quick. who can do that. Like, Tatum uh, stated many times an intention to drive to the hoop more and driving a foul get free points at the stripe. Um, Jalen is is a great driver, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't... He runs into some problems is at the free throw line in which he's not quite as efficient as, as he could be, but whatever. I mean, that is what it is. Um, I think it's... Uh, Jalen also, I feel too, is in a time where he's... He's learning, like, warm-up. And he has to kind of get into a synergy with things. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about preseason is that everyone is holding back a little bit. Yeah, I think he's I think he's holding back, quite Every, honestly. Like, everyone is. Like everyone Ken, is, yeah. Kemba, for one, Kemba didn't play in last night's game. Yeah. He didn't really need to, seeing as the Celtics won by seven, uh, 25 points in a preseason game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is considerable. In the first game, he played 20 minutes, got 12 points, uh, four assists, a steal. Didn't shoot that great, although he uh, made all his free throws, shot 40% from three. He was a minus 12 in that game, mostly because the defense uh, in that first game against the Hornets was very yeah. bad. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Kemba doesn't isn't expected to and doesn't need to go all out in a preseason game. Yeah. And more and importantly, too, everyone seems to have a lot healthier locker room energy. Yeah. And these, these people part, like each other. That doubles back to what we were talking about with Tatum, having yeah. a really messy year. Everyone is, everyone is more or less happy. And it's I think they're going to get happier as things go on. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, just to wrap up our look at the Celtics, uh, Carson Edwards has, sc- he scored nine points in the game against the Magic. Uh, he scored 11 in the Hornets game. Yep. He is, if that's at all sustainable and being, mm, that's the difference be between, yeah, yeah, like the difference between summer league and preseason is that while it's still less intense than the regular season, like the starters who are going to be in the regular season are generally there. Yeah. At least for a little bit of the game. So you're facing stronger competition. Right. So Edwards is squaring up against stronger defenses and still finding room to operate. Like, yeah, he's taking like, Fuck you, Steph Curry threes and making them. Yeah, it's, which is super impressive. Yeah, um, and you know who else? Regardless, is, but you know who else is taking uh, Steph Curry threes and making them? Mm. Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah Marcus Smart. Smart has evolved. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, like Pokemon. Uh, people evolve too, and Smartamon has evolved. Yeah, this time around, Marcus in the game last night he scored fourteen points in twenty one minutes of gameplay yep. on fifty six percent shooting, including going four of six from the three point line. Yeah, 
Which that's something. Which really helps when you're quite something. When you're made of combat muscles and spells. Yep. It really helps you take things to the next level. And uh not only that, he uh when he took one of the threes, he did the Steph Curry thing of he already started moving away. Yeah. And it went in. Yeah. He he shot it, turned, mean mugged the magic bench. It hadn't gone in yet. <laughs> then it went in. Then he started running. Classic. It's absolutely incredible. So it's, yeah. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do during the season. Basically, he's he's a dynamo. He's a dynamo have, at this point. If you have everything that Marcus Smart can do on the court already, you know, all the diving for loose balls, dirty work, all Playmaker, the defensive... Defense. All the defensive brutality and the fakeouts and all that. Yep. If you add a very reliable three-point shot to that, we might not... Like, there's a good chance that Celtics are not going to miss Horford as much. It's still going to yeah. be felt. Yeah. But if you have someone like, like Smart we, doing they really that... lack... Like, if Smart... Like, Smart is already, obviously, a great secondary playmaker... If the combination of him and Gordon Hayward, uh, who who's already doing better than he was last season, he looks much better. He, he looks much, much better than last so season. I think um, it's all I the think Xbox. He has a pretty good. <laughs> he and he also banned the gamer words so to his vocabulary. He's gaming so hard, <laughs> but I think it may have worked. He's also yoked. I will say that, like he is jacked. He's, um, that white boy is jacked. He's he's a he's not semi ojale but that white boy is. He's jacked. taking the same thing Josh Brolin was in Sicario too. <laughs> creatine? Yeah, he's on creatine. I mean, well, creatine is fine. I mean, that's legal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there might be something else. I don't know. I feel like horse uh, steroids or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know how your biceps gain five inches in that short period of time, but you I don't know. know. Anything's possible, I guess, with enough yeah. determination and gaming skills. So. <laughs> I treat my workout regimen like I do if my video game play. <laughs> Twelve hours of Halo a day. Oh Replace it with the gym. If you play League of Legends hard enough, I guess. Yeah, all the clicking. He's 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 big on League of Legends. Let's talk about another yeah, interesting team. Um, let's talk about the Magic. The Orlando Magic, who may well be like a fifth or a fourth seed. They could be. It's very possible. The East, beyond the top three teams, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. Yep. And the Celtics are far from perfect this year, and they're not it's, going to be as good as they were no, with Kyrie no. and Horford, most it's, likely. It's going to be a but, little punk rock. But, but I think, you know... like Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's still fair to call them the three-seed favorite. I think Anyways, yeah. so beyond that, it's... Um, the Magic are doing some really good yeah. stuff this year. And <clears throat> they kept in uh, Vucevic. Well, not Vucevic. 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 We've been Thank over you. this. Thank you. <laughs> I This is going to be a running gag, so let me let me dream. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. Uh, Vucevic is... Did he play last night's game? He did not. Yeah. He did not. He took a break. But he's got what... Was it a $100 million contract they signed him on? No. It was or is he still free less. agency? No, no. He, he, he re-signed with the Magic this okay. summer for four years. And I want to... 
I don't think it was a full hundred. I think it was like ninety five or something. Yeah, definitely less than I expected him to get. Right. I figured like the Lakers would have just thrown a bunch of money at him after missing out on Kawhi Leonard. Ha ha. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> sucks to nerds. suck, nerds. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I figured they were going to throw a ton of money at a big man. They didn't. They ended up re-signing JaVale McGee and uh, giving DeMarcus Cousins a one-year deal. And then he ended up uh, tearing his ACL in practice and having an assault charge. And Life comes at you fast. Yeah, I really don't want to dwell on that. Like, I named a cat after Boogie Cousins, and it makes me really sad. We're going back to the magic. Yep. Uh, Brian's, uh, Brian's hometown team, they're, they're an interesting, they're an interesting beast. I think they, they, they definitely have a potential to be like a fourth, fifth, sixth seed. They are. Um, I I think they're really, especially if, especially if Aaron Gordon start, like continues on the progression that he's going. Um, Well, they also have Michael Carter Williams too. That's not a good thing. I can assure you of that. Uh, yeah, he's he's a point guard, and he's kind of he's a fine backup point he's, guard. He's fine. That's it. But it's better than nothing. Well, it's like better than rookie, saying rookie our, of the year. Michael Carter Williams is well in the rearview mirror. Yeah, don't talk to me about tanking. Michael Carter Williams is gone. It's true. However, no, more well, you never know. It could he could develop something new out of it. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to be. I would hopeful. place your optimism elsewhere. I would place it in in the Virgin King Jonathan Isaac and <laughs> um, who I think has a lot of potential, especially uh, if he develops a bit of a better um, bit of a better outside shot. Gordon, obviously, plenty of potential still there, and I think he is going to realize at least some more of it, if not as much of it as yeah. would be helpful. Um, well, like, also, your 16.1 real... PPGs. Yeah. Really good for Gordon. Yeah. That's like his. That's nothing to scoff at. Like, that's no. incredible. For, well, I mean, for a guy who was drafted to be a franchise centerpiece, I guess it's like a little low, but. Um, yeah, it's, you know. I guess four points is what your standard would be, but it's still really impressive. Where I would put your hope in terms of magic dark horse shots would be the resurgence of Markel Fultz, um, whom okay. the magic traded for, they got from Philly. Fultz, if, as some of you will remember, was the number one draft pick in the 2017 draft that went Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum. And um, in one of the best, 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 best instances He's of woke. Danny, well, no, no, hold on, not what I'm referring to. Um, oh, okay. One of the best instances of Danny Ainge rooking a hapless moron in trading the number one pick for the number three pick when he was going to draft Jason Tatum at number one, had he kept the number one pick. Because everyone thought that Fultz was the consensus number one. Yeah, it's not right. like no one is stupid for drafting Fultz at one if you had the one pick. Like you, there was every reason to believe that he was going to be worthy of that pick. Yeah, right. He wasn't Anthony fucking Bennett. It kind of makes sense that we're talking about gore and horror when it comes to uh, what Markel Fultz's shot form was like. For most of his early NBA career, uh, the second year, well, really, 
the majority of the first two years of which were more or less red shirting. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, he, he showed, he showed reasonably well in, in the minutes he played in this preseason, in this preseason contest. Um, I mean, the magic fucking shit the bed, but like, no, they did. They did without a doubt, but, but he, he, he looked okay. There was, there, he has, his form was good. Uh, his presence was good. Actually, no, his form. Was well, good. it's not good. He shot one, he shot one of eight. He shot 13%. What I, what I meant, <laughs> let me, let me backpedal what I explain what I meant by form. He does look, he, he looks relatively comfortable. He looks comfortable. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I'll I'm say saying that. by form. Not, not his actual stats or performance, but it looks like it wasn't one of these moments where it's like, oh, you're seeing someone shit the bed in real time and they're jittery and Oh yeah, like his free throw videos. Right. It's not like that. It, it, it looks are just just painful like i couldn't even make fun of them that much even with him being a sixer when these were filmed yeah speaking of which do i want to briefly uh comment i guess on the fact that ben simmons actually did shoot a three and make (laughs) it in a preseason game i preseason doesn't count so in um, a preseason game on my books, yeah. It's so so you are still, yeah. No, so Ben Simmons still shoot a three. You, you coward. coward. Yeah, seriously. In an actual NBA game, yeah. Um, not baby NBA. <laughs> We're talking real NBA, okay? And so the last X factor for the Magic, I guess, would probably be Terrence Ross, who they resigned to. A contract a lot more lucrative than I expected. I'll say yeah. that much. I uh, don't remember the details. Um, Terrence Ross is listed as a reserve player. Yeah, effectively. No, he's he's, he's which he's, he's a bench guy. He's is, he's always been a bench guy. When he was on the Raptors, he was a bench guy. Right. He doesn't. Although sometimes he'll score like thirty points off. The yeah, edge. he seems to be one of these. I think there's. I think the magic can be summed up if you look at Terrence Ross, if you look at Fultz, if you look at even the defensive capabilities of somebody like Mobamba. You're yeah. you're looking at and also wild. Mobamba. Mobamba is shooting threes. And yeah, making them and making them. You're looking at that's neat. Wild cards over and over and over and over again is a okay. series of wild cards. He's, uh, Ross signed a four-year, fifty-four million contract. Okay, yeah, that's Just that's definitely that's more than I ever expected. More him to than get. any reserve player <laughs> is probably ever yeah. going to get. Yeah, and fifty grand. Okay, um, the baby gangs don't seem to want us to talk about the Orlando Magic. That. That is what keeps triggering these incidents. So I oh, want to briefly, yeah. briefly mention uh, the fact that in a Nets preseason game, Rajon Rondo broke Kyrie Irving's face. Yeah, again, again, and um, yeah, it had previously been busted in a uh, practice in a training. He, he apparently did a running double spin kick to do it, which is. <laughs> Seems which, excessive, which but. is why no Celtics fan should be angry about Rondo being on the Lakers because clearly he still has our best interests at heart. <laughs> yeah, at, at, at heart. So, sure. and then the last thing we want to mention uh, about preseason is 
Zion. Yeah. Zion Williamson is... Zion Williamson is the prince who was promised. <laughs> he has become the Pelican Lord of the Pelican Lords. Oh, yes. So... So, in a game on Wednesday, he's... Uh, this past Wednesday, this being uh, October 9th, he scored 29 points, making 12 shots out of 13 attempts. Yep. And with um, five five out of eight at the free throw line. If he had made all his free throws, he would have had 32. And uh, Enough just said, last night, it's, it's... just last night, he scored 26 points on 9 of 12 shooting. <laughs> he is, he is going to be... He's a beast. He's it's, a beast. It's incredible. And, and watching him just like... He he's doing like three sixty tomahawk shit. It's yeah. It's like young Shaq. Mm-hmm. It's like young Shaq. It's, yeah. But well, it's like young Shaq with the potential even for more to also have some LeBron esque uh, qualities. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's and once the season fully else. starts, like the Pelicans. They not make the playoffs. They won't. They I would I would say this. They won't. I I, I don't think they I, will. I think they will be an eight seed. I, I would love to see them being eight seed. I just don't think they will. But I will say this, and here's the thing that I think is the most exciting and the coolest part about Zion being attached to the team is that it's gonna motivate the fandom. It's oh, gonna so much. it's going to every single time there's a game on it's, people are going to want to yeah, watch. No, the, and the that's exciting. Broadcasting, there will be nationally broadcast Pelicans games, uh, 28 of them. For a team that That's has, incredible. That's for incredible. For a team that is not expected by many people to make the playoffs, and that is not like the Lakers, yeah. that's something. I mean, like the Lakers got like their 30x games like before LeBron came back to them. Like yeah. They got that during the... When they were Coach basically Cody poop Dolder. in a cup, you know, yeah. they were just flying yeah. cups of poop hitting a basketball Absolutely court, and they're like, oh, 30 yeah. games, brother. Still, 30, 36, it's, it's no, impressive. Still getting Christmas games. Absolutely ridiculous. But um, Zion is, is just, it's, it's really, yeah. <laughs> Shit, the baby gang chimed in and, and let us know that it's. Yeah, but the baby is, is, is very high. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's exclaiming utter and complete joy over Zion. Yeah, absolutely. He's, the babies are all about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings us to speaking of babies, uh, <laughs> our large and incredible wet president. Yes, and uh, what, China. What, what Deadspin writer David Roth refers to as the big wet president. Yeah. So. This is not ordinarily the sort of thing we talk about much. No, not not usually. Politics and the NBA, they're tied together in a way that that isn't necessarily so with other leagues. But Daryl. Daryl Morey. uh, Houston Rockets general manager uh, tweeted out a message in support of the protesters in Hong Kong who are protesting the, uh, the government of China. Right. And... It did not go over very well. Uh, the owner of the Rockets, the penny-pinching asshole Tillman Fertitta, and yes, Fertitta is pronounced. <laughs> I'm not doing that to be a dick. 
I mean, I am, but fucking nerd. Anyway, tweet out some <laughs> shit rebuking his thing, saying that the end, the rockets value their Chinese business partners, whatever. Yeah. China went ballistic as they want to do about all anything that is impugning yeah. their whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they said they were going to stop broadcasting Rockets games. I think they have thus far followed through on that. They briefly threatened, I believe, to stop broadcasting the NBA. I really don't think that's going to happen, but it's just it's a, it's a fucking mess. It's a fiasco. It's a, it's it. I have a I had a close friend from 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 work, kind of uh, from a place that I used to work at, um, weigh in on it as somebody who had yeah. lived in China okay. and spent time in China. What did he say? Well, it was really interesting because it's it's almost like this sort of it, it's a it's a protective state where you're like, hey, listen. Uh, I know you didn't think you tweeted anything wrong, but it doesn't matter if it's, it's, if it's, if it's something that is viewed in the eyes of a collective as being wrong, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be viewed that way everywhere. It's almost like toe the line. If you don't toe the line, if, if we all said it's, 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 it's garbage, we're not going to support Rockets games anymore. And you're going to defy that. It doesn't matter if you're poised to lose millions there, they, they know it will be recouped elsewhere. I don't think China's going to stop showing NBA games. Doubt it's it. a hugely... That's one of the few touch points in international sports. That's one of the, yeah, that's one of the few things so, that the NBA... Sorry. It's one of the few things that America and China really have linked culturally. Yeah, it's is, a cultural link. The, as the you, love of the NBA. Yeah, as you said, I don't think they're going to drop that. Yeah. I, I think... It's going to be honestly. This is this will be a, a flash in the pan. Most likely, I mean, and uh, Adam Silver, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, waffled somewhat in that he didn't really he, he didn't say anything in support of Maury or of Fertitta's whole protect the business yeah. stance. But he did say that he would not discipline Maury and has thus far not done so. And I don't think there's going to be any under-the-table discipline that we're not finding out about. Like, that's not so much the issue. It's 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 a bit weird that, like, agents are telling their players not to say anything about it. Um, yeah. There was a press conference with uh, with Harden. Um, I, I'm, I think Westbrook might have also been there. Harden was definitely there, and they uh, a reporter asked a question about uh, China, and they had like their mic taken away, and Harden just left or something. Which I'm not getting the yeah. details totally right there. Yeah, but the point is, the reporter asked the question; it was not answered, yep. and they were told through some way. Obviously, it was communicated that the the question would not be answered; that they were shit out of luck, and. And that's just, that's just weird. It's... It is weird. It is weird. There's a lot of caginess about it. There's a lot of uncertainty about it. There's a lot of, well, we know how, obviously, probably 50 or 60% or more of um, fans of the NBA in the West really don't care at all. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, And couldn't be even bothered to care. And then we have a whole entire market where there's a, a kind of threatening 
firestorm looming on the horizon Mm -hmm. if we don't sequester this and find a way to deal with it. And it's just, I think the thing that comes across to me, and regardless of what your views on Sino-American relationships are or how invested you are in them or how much, you know, really intimate detail you have with it, it comes across as incredibly petty. All of it seems incredibly petty. It, it's literally, you could be like, we don't agree with Daryl Morey, but we support the Rockets, the end. Or we look forward to the Rockets season, but we don't agree with Daryl Morey's yeah. conjecture about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, support of Hong Kong as he's not informed enough to be able to make it. Just, like, there's so many ways you could damage control this. And instead, it's a, not a spiteful rebuke of the NBA, but it's this weird sort of, we're coming down with a hammer. And I yeah. think it's probably influenced, I, I think to be fair with China, it's probably influenced by things that are also occurring alongside of this. Say, maybe, maybe something to do with the tariffs and maybe something to do with the... With the trade war. With, with a trade war. With a big, wet slimy old president who's being a complete whiny fucking bitch at this point uh just unbelievable he came out of the gate being like hey steve yeah want to let you know i don't think you're right okay (laughs) okay some, some some context here um so various nba personalities have obviously been asked about this as as we as i just alluded to a little earlier um, some NBA coaches, uh, most notably Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors and Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs, were asked about this situation, and they are both generally very outspoken uh, in everything that they say about any issue they are passionate about. Yeah, they were completely for Kerr, Kerr is particularly passionate about uh, gun control being being that his father was killed in a terrorist incident in Beirut in the 80s. A very famous one, which I'm being an idiot and I don't remember what exactly it was. Right, right, right. But it, it was, I think it was 1983. When when the embassy in Beirut was stormed, I believe that Kara's father was there right. and was killed. Right, which is crazy. Um, crazy. So he has investment, though. There's a there, that's that's kind of tying yeah, back into so, like there's so a reason for you to feel this and, way. So and he doesn't. So he had nothing to say about the China situation because a most likely because he is a person who is at the whim of Silicon Valley tech bro owners who own the Golden State Warriors. Right. It's a bit more disappointing that Popovich didn't say anything about it, that he was that he was so reticent to really talk about it. And he's a crusader type. Popovich has been uh, very yeah, inspiring. For the most, for the most and... part, yes. So it was a little weird to have him waffle on it as well. However, when... The big wet president <laughs> decided... Our wetness that, in chief. When Trump decided that he would go railing against the two of them when he got... When he himself was asked about uh, China, for whatever reason, uh, Trump... Well, no, not for whatever reason. He is, much to our collective chagrin, the president. Um, he brought up the whole fucking China thing 
And he found room to say that Kerr and Popovich didn't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And to impute, first to do a, like a little boy parody voice of Steve Kerr, which is <laughs> so not, clo- not remotely, at least if you're going to be horrible, maybe at least be right. Um, yeah, he did, he did this weird, like clown little boy voice to imitate Kerr, like not talking about China and then to say, that Popovich didn't do the same thing, but that Popovich uh, tried a little harder, whatever the fuck he said. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. He he said that he had past statements that were... This is according to Deadspin article. Yeah. That past statements critical of him and his administration as current Popovich, quote, talking badly about the United States and spared maybe half of one breath to say the NBA would, quote, have to work out their own situation. Which is weird to say, well, then why did you... If it's up to someone to work out their own problem, why comment on it in the first place? Yeah. And if you're going to criticize people for waffling on China, why are you waffling on China? Exactly. First and last of all, I guess, about this is Greg Popovich served five years in the motherfucking Air Force. Yep. Yep. And received intelligence training. Yep. If there's anyone who's not anti-American, it's Greg motherfucking Popovich. He might, he might know how to conduct himself. He might actually himself. be a patriot. Yeah, he might be called a patriot. And whether, regardless of what one feels about what it is to be a patriot, whatever the fuck, like... Service is undeniable. Yeah. It's service you can't is deny that... Greg Popovich believes in the fucking American experiment for better or worse. Like, right. if you're going to criticize someone about something, you can't say shit about him. No. He did what you didn't. You know? You exactly. pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you bone spurs ass cocksucker. Oh, my bone spurs are acting up and I have to, I have to leave because of it. Oh. Classic excuse. My big, my perfect bone spurs. Yeah, well, very perfect, very the best. The you best could say bone it's the spurs. best bone just, spurs. They're, just, they're great. Yeah, he's. No, I don't, it's intolerable. It's insufferable. And the fact that it's something and you like know, this so is, many times we said that the illegal screen would not be a politics podcast, and technically that's still true. Technically, it's still true. This but was this was unavoidable. Yeah, like. It, it's it's gonna come up and it's gonna happen and it's fine. The babies are getting crazy. The babies are getting crazy. Uh, these baby riots. These baby riots. They just keep. They're ongoing. The corpses are they're just surrounding, piling up. <laughs> these piles of corpses. No one will clean the, clean it up. It's There's just, so much blood. My it just, my. It's ruining my sneakers. Yeah, it's terrible. I need um, a lot of money for these. So and I don't have a lot of money. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I paid a lot of money a long time ago. But just, Still, you know, regardless, just need some, I think ultimately we really gotta wrap this up. Yeah, we're we're coming down to the wire here, and if I don't get out of here and uh, steal another cigarette truck, the things babies, are going to be grim. Yeah. Um, they've promised to do things that we can't even talk about. We really can't. So, 
Um, I think first is in the future, not now, but in the future, you're going to probably see some changes a little bit in the schedule. Yeah, um, yeah. We've, we've admittedly been a bit on the irregular side, and unfortunately, that may... That's not likely to change. Not as long as the babies are hunting us. It's yeah. it's not going it's, to it's change. Good. However, the show is not going anywhere. No. We really appreciate everyone who's uh, who's been with us, who's stuck with us. Yeah, all of our supporters, everybody who's helping build a community here. Yeah. Um, we love that, and we, we love to see this show, you know, get passed along to like-minded people. Yeah. Um, we love seeing that and being yeah. able to hear feedback. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, there's going to be some irregularities in our schedule in the future, not necessarily to start now. No. Um, but obviously, uh, the pod is going to continue to go on. We'll be at different black sites, so there will yeah. be some changes in audio. Most likely, uh, there there may be some uh, the benevolent, the occasionally benevolent overlords. I mean, yeah. From, after today, I mean, putting us in the baby prison. That was the things that I have seen. <laughs> Rubbing salt in the wound, you know. Jesus, but <laughs> in any event, want to preview a few of the things that yeah, we're that going we to be doing yeah. in the immediate future. Well, in the immediate and uh, foreseeable future. First off, our next episode will be about the new Robert Eggers film, The Lighthouse. Yep. The Lighthouse. Uh, Robert yeah. Eggers, uh, director of The Witch, a.k.a. Yeah. The Babinch. Uh, <laughs> One of Brian's favorite films. Yes. Um, this is a hugely important film. It's gotten some already glowing reviews. Yeah. We kind of didn't get I've a chance to... The- the press ever since like the f- initial festival reports and, yeah like i'm i'm fucking psyched yeah same. i know brian is yeah i think we didn't get a chance to quite hit midsummer when it dropped yeah so this is like our perfect kind of like follow-up yeah um, to talk about something immediately current for yeah once. Uh, be nice. we've mentioned it a couple of times yep and we're going to follow through with it we are going to cover our Sam Peckinpah Essentials yep. podcast. Uh, the starter pack for Sam Peckinpah. Great, the works of the great, great, great Sam Peckinpah maker, the Wild Bunch, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, Peck Eric Billy Kid, Getaway. List goes on. Um Yeah. Really a talented filmmaker that has also weirdly fallen through the cracks in the past couple point, of years. Yeah, which is interesting because in like the late seventies, early eighties, he was probably one of the most visible filmmakers, for reasons having little to do with his filmmaking, yeah, and much to do with his legendary personal life, drinking problem, <laughs> and other shit. But uh, we'll, it is what it is. We'll be, t- not, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll probably like there'll probably be something like mention of that, but like it will come up. It's gonna I mean, come up. Yeah. You can't not talk about yeah. that. You can't soft pedal of it. it. It was an aspect of, of his life. Yeah. And if you're going to consider an artist like that, you have to consider how those aspects of their personality played into uh, the making of their works. So it'll be a really interesting exploration of that. Other things we've thought about looking at are maybe delving into some Australian horror films. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I... In large part, because I 
really want Brian to see and us to talk about the film Wake and Fright, which is a truly remarkable Australian film from the 70s. It's really hard. We don't, I, I don't want to like talk yeah. too much about what it right. is or right. what it's about. It's, I've heard nothing but glowing things about it. It's been on my like to see list for a while. It's yeah. going to kind of be killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, it's but... an extremely strange, dark film by Ted Kotcheff, who is um, also known for, oh, First Blood. Made First Blood. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, uh, some of you might have seen. Yeah. Some of you might have seen First Blood. And, uh, less, perhaps less notably, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Alright, that slaps, that's good. Uh, and we also have a very, very special episode yeah. in the future planned. Yes, we do. Um, we have been lucky enough to have booked an appearance from John Burr, John of Fast Break Breakfast, motherfucking Burr. Uh, Fast Break Breakfast, obviously being uh, one of the best NBA podcasts out of there, one of the one strangest of the ones. Yep, one of the basically most consistently great too. Like so, what, yeah. What I really want to say is like th- me even bothering to do this wouldn't exist had I seen, heard. <laughs> you can see podcasts. Technically, you can I see podcasts. Fast breakfast and been like, oh, you can explore this in this way. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, hugely influential. So he'd been kind enough to uh, say some very nice things about the show and said that he would be happy to appear. And we will be talking about one of all three of our favorite films. Yeah. The Cannibal. Western Ravenous. Ravenous. Bad man outside! He, Sick man! He Sick was man outside! <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently John said that he was going to uh, do many of the voices from the film. I like that. And so, he was licking me! <laughs> So I just wanted to, um, so that is like the mid-rare version of what you'll be experiencing. Yeah, so get, we get, have this just, just get ready for absolute madness. Uh, pure, pure, unadulterated madness. Tons of quotes and references dropped, and yeah. a chance to talk about one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And just a truly unique, magnificent film that is uh, really underseen and underrated. Yeah, and it's it's finally beginning to be seen. It's showing up on like a lot of streaming services. Like people are talking about it. Yeah, I had never seen it until a couple years ago, and I was in fact not only I was not only recommended it both by. John and by uh, other Fast Break co-host Keith Parrish, but because I won a contest, uh, a contest of um, of theirs a couple years ago, they sent me a copy of Ravenous, which is incredible in, in the prize pack, yeah. which was really lovely. And we want we we want to. 
ideally bring on uh, more guests going forward. We can't, we don't really have uh, concrete bookings beyond that, but we will be looking to develop that, especially as we have to be uh, a bit more spread out than we once were. Yeah. But we're going to make it work and we're going to, in fact, I think that may even be a better opportunity for us to have more guests. Yeah, which is, which is, um, which is dope, which is exciting. So, um, for one thing, if you would like to, uh, you'd like to be on the pod for any reason, uh, please, uh, contact Let us, us. know. Yeah. Uh, Let us know. Tweet us at the illegal pod on Twitter or tweet me, uh, at black lodger, black L with the O is a zero, uh, lodger. And tweet Brian at Resler, R-O-E-S-L-E-R underscore Brian, B-R-I-A-N. Yep. If you want to get in touch with us. And and uh, let us know, even if you don't want to be a guest, Yeah. what would you also, like to see like, us cover? Yeah, if, if you want us to like talk about like a weird thing that's going on in the NBA, like a weird... Like, it doesn't have to be an in-game thing, like, once the season starts or at any point. Like, we want to talk about about a weird meme that's going around NBA Twitter. Yeah. Of which... There are many. There are constantly... There's a few. The memes must flow. The meme generator doesn't stop. The memes must flow, and they will continue flowing. Yeah. And we need to be a part of them. Yeah, if there's a film you think is really deserving of our attention... Let us know, and if we'll take you, a look. Yeah, and if you, uh, God help you, if you want us to cover an actual basketball movie, there are a couple. There are, you know, no, there are a bunch. There are a bunch, but some of them are good. Yeah. I mean, we can always do blue chips. Yeah. Hoosiers. Not Hoosiers. <laughs> I will definitely do blue chips though, because Shaq is. Yeah, of course. So we actually, actually, you know what? Any Shaq-based media. At some point, we will do. Yeah, at some point. And Any possibly Shaq combine media. that with other Shaq films, perhaps Shaq Steel. Yes, um, uh, I, just, <laughs> I was just thinking about Steel, so perfect. Um, Alright, so yeah, let us know guys, drop us a line. Uh, thank you for sticking around, and we'll see you next time. Of course, bye y'all. We got a baby right! We got a baby right!